You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, hello and welcome, welcome, welcome. You are here with Dr. Jeff Werber, host of Ask the Pets with Dr. Jeff, here on Pet Life Radio, here to help you with your pets, answer questions you may have, talk about behavior problems, medical problems, surgical disease, whatever it is. Just go give us a call. You can reach us. We're easy to get a hold of. Pick up that phone, 877-385-8882. We'd love to hear from you. You can also join us in conversation. Just uh, You can log on here at Pet Life Radio to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You can also send me an email to drjeff, that's drjeff, at petliferadio.com. We'll be here for the next half hour on this lovely Thursday, 1 o'clock smack in the middle of the day here in, in very nice and sunny Southern California. I have nothing to complain about. I'm sure that many of you are joining us in cities that are not as warm and sunny in the 70s as we are here today in L.A. But again, it gets cold for us at night. Now you're going to laugh when I say cold for us is, is 55 degrees. But um, at night, you still have to wear a sweater. But um, heading up to the mountains this weekend. Heading up to Mammoth Lakes, California, where it is, believe it or not, freezing. Yes, it does freeze here in California as well. And I'm just hoping the conditions are good for my snowboarding. But uh, anyway, we're here for you. So pick up that phone. And I want to thank our sponsors, as always, ProSense Pet Products, available at your big retailers like Target, like Walmart, like Walgreens. And ProSense products for your pets that the only other place you're going to find products this good is at your veterinarian at probably two to three times the price. So if you want something good, you want to keep your pets healthy, go on and find yourself some good ProSense products. Speaking of ProSense, anyone who calls in a question, anyone who emails us a question that we read and answer or answer live here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio, we will send you out a free ProSense product for your dog or your cat. So before we, as, as we get started, we had an email sent to us that we want to, I just want to talk to you quickly about. And um, basically, this is coming from someone who listens to our show. And I'm going to read it. It's just basically labeled to us. It's from Nancy. And it starts, please help. Please help. My bird acts like he's itching only one side of his wing underneath, but no signs of blood or bare spots of flesh. He is, I love to hear this, he is 40 years old. One thing about birds, if you're going to get a large citizen, a macaw or a parrot, you better be prepared, a cockatoo, that these birds are very very possibly are going to outlive you. So you have to make some arrangements in your wills for these birds. I've seen these birds live to 80 plus years. So um, anyway, this, this bird is 40. He started picking when he moved from Oregon to Washington. That's important. We'll get to that in a minute. In 2003. And then he started picking his beak in 2007. He scratches until he almost falls off his perch and screams and ruffles his feathers afterwards. He's had the same cage, large size, five feet high dimensions. However, it's fairly large his whole life. Also a small medium cage that I put him into to keep him in the kitchen or living room with me so he is not locked up in this one room all day or night by himself. Her veterinarian in Gaithersburg, Maryland, did all the tests possible and did a hormone implant. Still no change. One doctor gave him Prozac, which didn't help. He stops picking approximately 3 a.m. when I take him out at midnight and a.m. up reading or writing letters. So that's very important. He's in a room where there isn't any sun through the window. 
he gets some sun in the spring and summer. So I'm going to pass this on to two of my very good friends and colleagues who, who pretty much specialize in birds, do a lot of bird work. But meanwhile, there's some things that I picked up here, Nancy, that we can talk about. Number one, this started with a move from Oregon to Washington, D.C. Birds are very sensitive to change. And when they start what we call feather picking or this type of scratching behavior, it oftentimes is nerve anxiety related. And some other things that struck me is he's been in the same cage his whole life. That might be convenient, but it may not be the best thing for the bird because sometimes they do like change. Also, uh, the fact that he gets no sunshine. I would take him out, even if you can, you can get harnesses for these birds. You can teach these birds to walk on a leash, believe it or not, and get him outside and give him more outdoor time. And one last thing, notice that he stops picking approximately 3 a.m. For some reason, something's going on at that time of day. So he's on his own clock. When I take him out at midnight and in the morning or when he's up, when I'm up writing letters, which means when he is not sitting there bored stiff by himself, he doesn't seem to behave this way. It's only when this anxiety strikes and he knows what he likes. He's 40. At 40, I think he knows what he likes and doesn't like. So those are some of the simple things. I was joking that I would throw my two cents in. I probably can only give you one and a half because uh, that's about my bird repertoire when it comes to these behavior problems. But of all the things I do and remember and read about, birds are extremely sensitive to this type of behavior issue. And I think we're going to get to something. So, well, next week, uh, we're not going to be on live. But the week after that, I will have had time to talk to a couple of my buddies who specialize in birds. And we're going to get you some more specific answers. So certainly, we want you to uh, stay tuned. Another thing that I've had an interesting run this week, and interesting in the sense that there has been some news, oh, I'd say it started about a month, a month and a half ago, about a new virus in town. They call it a circovirus, speaking of birds. We've seen it in birds and in swine and pigs, and it was first noted in Ohio affecting dogs. And not many cases here in California, in fact, hardly any, until recently, we've heard of some cases in California as well. Well, I have five dogs, and my old Labrador, who was 12 and a half, and up until this point had been doing amazingly well, except, of course, he's slowing down on his hind end, and he did have a cancer, a tumor called mast cell disease when he was younger, actually four and a half years of age. We removed it. We got good margins. It was a what we call grade two, and we left it alone, and he, to this day, has been doing great. So he starts out of the blue, vomiting like crazy, diarrhea anorexic, not wanting to eat, no strength. I mean, he was going downhill and he was so weak and depressed. And here I am worried, okay, what did you get into? What could you have possibly eaten? Why are you vomiting? Is there anything stuck in your intestinal tract, etc.? So I brought him in, of course, to my office, took some blood work, put him on IVs. The bloods came back. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So now, oh my gosh, now I'm worried. When you have a case like this and the x-rays are perfect, the ultrasound is good, and you have perfect bloods, you start worrying about, well, maybe it's more of a mechanical issue. Maybe it's an issue within the intestinal tract itself, something that would not be evident on a blood work. There's no blood test to test for the stomach wall or the intestinal lining, especially if there's infiltrative disease, meaning a cancer. So I'm thinking, uh-oh, we got to get him scoped. We got to get some samples. And I'm worried that this mast cell disease that he had when he was four and a half is finally starting to catch up with him. Then, literally, miraculously, within a day, on IVs, treatment, etc., he starts perking up to his old self, starts eating, still had some diarrhea, but got better resolved in about a day or two. And I'm feeling great. 
take him home. And what happens the next day? One of my French bulldogs comes down with the same symptoms. So bring him in. Now I'm feeling maybe they both got into the same thing. These two, interestingly, are the two of my five that seem to think that the cat turds in the litter are a delicacy and they will attack that cat litter every chance they get. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's that. So treat my second one, my little Denzel, and then a day later, Herbie and Tommy, my other friend, T, and my other lab. So now I'm thinking, you know what? This is too bizarre. I'm wondering if we don't have circovirus, which seems to be, well, obviously left untreated. It can be deadly, and there were cases where it was deadly, but I think if you get it and you treat it well and you be aggressive, it's nothing more than a really bad intestinal infection, and that's what it turned out to be. But I really want to know out there how much of this is something we need to worry about. So I know a lot of you out there are afraid to call. You're afraid to hit us with your questions. Don't like picking up that phone and dialing those very simple numbers, 877-385-8882. But I want to know, have any of you out here listening to our program have had issues recently with nonspecific, unexplained cases of vomiting, diarrhea, anorexia, depression, lethargy, sort of just nonspecific gastrointestinal problems? that maybe, just maybe, we might be seeing this virus. Unfortunately, there's no way to test for it. There's no test yet. There's no specific treatment for it. So it's not like Parvo, where we can give a Parvo vaccine. So um, I want to know. So please pick up the phone. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. And let us know. And of course, just for responding, free ProSense product going out your way for your dog or your cat. But thankfully, they're all doing great. Took the last one, last two home last night. And uh, they're back to normal, back to their own mischievous behavior, and uh, I'm feeling pretty happy, but it's a big concern. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about that, you know, I don't sometimes realize how little people know about things. I'm talking the really smart, well-versed pet owner. When it comes to certain conditions that they hopefully will never see in their lifetime with their pet, and if they've never had it before, they have no idea of knowing. So instead of waiting until it, heaven forbid, happens to you, let's share from other people's experiences what are some of the things when it comes to parenting you should know about. And that which I want to talk to you about is a condition that we see in cats, and it's called fatty liver syndrome that can be potentially deadly. And why does it happen? When does it happen? How does it happen? And if you know this and you know what to recognize and you know how serious the ramifications are or could be, then maybe you won't wait till it gets to this point. What am I talking about? What ramifications? Dogs can probably go five to seven days without eating. As long as they have water, they can go without eating. Cats, not a chance. Cats, if they don't eat within three days, they potentially can develop this condition we call fatty liver syndrome. And once fatty liver syndrome hits a cat, it sort of sets up a negative spiral because they start feeling so lousy. Their liver enzymes, especially their bilirubin, start elevating. And when bilirubin goes up, what you notice is, first of all, the inside of your cat's ears, the whites of their eyes, even the light pink part of their gums and tongue start looking yellow. We call that jaundice, and that when we see a jaundice cat, that is a very serious problem. There is a, and again, it sounds terrible to hear, but there are certain conditions 
that when we say if a cat develops this, their chances of survival are slim. And one of those conditions is jaundice. So when a cat starts having gastrointestinal, more specifically liver problems, so much so to the point that they start getting yellow, a yellow cat is serious. Well, that's what happens in fatty liver syndrome. Their bilirubin, which should normally be, oh, less than one, it's usually maybe 0.5 to, you know, 0.4, can be as high as 6 to 9 to 10 to 12 even. This is really serious. Once they start feeling that lousy, now, for whatever the initial insult was that stopped them from wanting to eat, which could, could have been simply behavioral. It could have been you were gone for the weekend. It could have been you changed their diet. It could have been you, you got a new dog in the house. You put their litter box in the wrong, whatever, that they wanted to go on a little hunger strike. You can't let your cats go on a hunger strike for much more than three days. They must eat or else we have to consider running the risk of fatty liver syndrome. And this could be extremely serious. So when you see it happen, you must take your cat to your veterinarian ASAP. Your veterinarian will obviously do some workup, take some blood work, and start some force feeding. And when we come back from our break, in just a minute, we are going to go through some of these methods of force feeding. So here it is through our uh, midway through our half hour. So we're going to be back in just a second. Don't go away. Stay tuned. You're here with Dr. Jeff. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T Yes, a simple solution for shedding. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
Well, welcome back, and thanks for joining me once again here at Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, here in sunny Southern California. And before the break, we were talking about a very serious condition that unfortunately, well, fortunately, we don't see often, but unfortunately, when we see it, it's often very difficult to pull these cats out of this condition. We call it fatty liver syndrome, often brought upon by cats who aren't eating. And the really sad part is, is that when the reason for their not eating is something behavioral, something that was easily preventable, the ramifications of that not eating and developing fatty liver syndrome could be so serious that often a, a otherwise healthy cat can succumb to this severe, serious condition. Now, when the not eating is brought upon by another serious condition, say, you know, kidney failure, say already having some other type of liver disease, say a cancer, say severe oral disease, something else that is preventing this cat from wanting to eat, well, then you have really two problems to deal with. One is the underlying disease, and also, secondly, is the fatty liver syndrome. So we're mentioning that it's serious enough that when your cat goes more than three days without eating, now we're talking serious. You, you can't sit back like a dog and wait another two or three days, figuring, ah, as long as they're drinking water, they could probably go longer, which, which a dog, most dogs can, but not cats, not cats. So uh, your veterinarian will, of course, take some uh, lab work. Typically, what you're going to see is a very, very high bilirubin and some elevated liver enzymes, the ALT, possibly the AST, GGT. These are all liver enzymes, alkaline phosphatase, and something obviously needs to be started, IV fluids, supportive care. But most importantly, we must get food into these cats' stomach. Now, these cats are feeling so lousy because of the high bilirubin. The fact that they're jaundiced, meaning yellow, by the fact that they're having other liver enzyme elevations, they just don't want to eat. So it's sort of a vicious cycle now. The less they've eaten and started this condition, the higher these values get, the worse they feel, the worse they feel, the less they want to eat, which just contributes to the problem. So we have to force feed these cats. Now, some cats that aren't nauseous, aren't vomiting or spitting up, might be amenable to having one of these. It's kind of like a, a syringe with a curved tip, and you can feed like a, a soft, moist, mushy gruel, taking like baby food or, or AD or, or um, you know, high um, max cal pet food and stick it into a blender with some water, making it into like a, a very smooth, like soupy consistency and actually force feeding the cat, putting it into their mouth, slowly letting them swallow and doing this uh, several, several times a day and slowly getting their nutrition back, which could help the problem. A lot of times, however, if this isn't possible or the cats are just fighting you too much, and let's face it, anyone who's had cats and is trying to even get them so much to take a pill or to brush their teeth, no, when a cat doesn't want something, it's not happening. You do know that. So we might want to put an NG tube. That stands for nasogastric tube. This is a very small, say maybe a three and a half to five French red rubber tube that we actually pass up the nose all the way through the nasal sinus. It goes back to the back of the nasal pharynx, which is the back of the throat, down into the esophagus, into the stomach. And we go ahead and we can push, oh, like a liquid diet through this tube directly into the stomach, bypass the swallowing reflex. Uh, these cats typically, even if they are a little nauseous, probably won't spit up, and that's how we get them their food. Lastly, we can do a pharyngostomy tube. Uh, we also call it a peg tube or an E-tube, an, an esophageal tube. This is where a little cut is made in the back of the neck into the mouth, into the back of the oral cavity. And then what we do is we will pull, introduce a much, much larger tube through this incision, 
And then we take that tube, pass it down the esophagus. We do it on the left side because the esophagus typically sits on the left side of the trachea. And of course, we don't want to cross the trachea because that can cause a lot of problems. And then we pass this tube down into the uh, esophagus and we feed them that way. So that's another way that we take care of, of these cases. But it is very important that these cats will have an opportunity to eat because if not, the condition is only going to get worse. And once it gets worse, there's not a lot that can be done. Anyway, I just, what happens, believe it or not, and this is, it's weird that it happened this way. I have two cats in the hospital now that are both being fed through NG tubes and both have uh, severe jaundice, fatty liver disease, not sure on either one whether it was these are behavior related or some other insult that stopped them from eating in the first place or some other underlying disease. And you know, unfortunately, you take your test and you see liver enzyme elevations, you're, you're not sure. Wait a second. Were the liver enzymes and the liver disease there first, which then caused this cat to become anorexic? Or did this cat become anorexic for some other reason and now it has fatty liver syndrome, so the liver enzymes are elevated? Sometimes we'll never know. We may never know. So in the meantime, these cats need to be treated, need to be treated and fed aggressively. And if this has ever happened to you or you know somebody or you're talking to somebody and, and you notice that their cat has not eaten or they complain, oh my God, my cat's sort of under the weather, has eaten in a few days, please, please, please make sure that they see their veterinarian. If it's one of your cats, make sure you see your veterinarian ASAP. In fact, I'd like to know, you know, it is whenever we have these rare cases, we always wonder how rare. Have any of our listeners had a cat or known somebody with a cat that has either had fatty liver syndrome, is in the midst of a bout of fatty liver syndrome, and what the outcomes were? Was it positive? Were the cats pulled through? Or was it negative? And unfortunately, the cats weren't so lucky. So you can just give us a call, 877-385-8882. You can also go ahead and send us a, um, an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com or directly to my email, which is drjeff, drjeff at drjeff.com, drjeff at drjeff.com. We'd like to hear from you. And anything else you have, you know, coming in the holidays, I want to know, let's get cute, too much serious stuff for a half hour. What are you planning to get your pets for the holidays? I want to know how creative our gift givers are out there. Certainly, certainly I would imagine your pets are not going to be left out. I mean, I certainly know my pets are not left out. And I want to know what are types of cute things, fun things are you giving either for your pets or how about this? How about some ideas? And it's great because that way we can pass some ideas back and forth because I'm sure some people sitting out there right now don't have a clue what to get their pets, or if you have friends or family that are really major league into their pets, especially if they don't have kids, you know that they're thinking about something. So what do you give to someone who has pets for their pet, or what type of gift do you give to a pet enthusiast, a pet lover, an insane, crazy pet lover, especially one that doesn't have kids? What might you think about getting them for the holidays? I want to know how creative what types of cool things are out there. And I know if you, you know, you can go online, you can, you know, watch some of these pet shows. There are a lot, of, a lot of fun things out there for your pets. Things that, and not only for the pet, but things for the pet lover. 
How much fun can you have shopping at some of these catalogs specific to pet lovers, to pet enthusiasts? I want to hear. So you can certainly send in that info. I will share it. If you don't want to call in, that's okay. That's okay. I will share it with our listeners. You can send me the email to drjeff at petliferadio.com or just give us a call, uh, 877-385-8882. Remember, remember that we are not going to be here live next week. That gives you an extra week to muster up the courage, the guts to pick up that phone and share your pet stories. Give us a call. Let us know how things are going. So let's see. We're here now at the 12th. Two Thursdays from now is the 26th. That's going to be the day after Christmas. That's perfect. That is perfect. So by the day after Christmas, I expect I expect a lot of phone calls from you because I really want to know how you did, how you fared with gifts, what you did for your pets, what you did for your friends' pets, what you did for your friends at have pets, and I think that would be great. That would be fun things to share here on our show on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff and um, also to just let us know on Pet Life Radio. In fact, if the ideas are really good, we can post some of these things on the website here at PetLifeRadio.com. So I'm just trying to think before we go in about the last minute, if there's anything else that has uh, affected pets, remember ticks. Ticks like the winter, unlike fleas. So if you live in cold parts of the country, Ticks love wooded areas. I know you're going to be walking your dogs, so take the necessary precautions. Make sure you maintain tick control. And another thing, I know there are a lot of places where snow is on the ground already. Keep in mind that a lot of local municipalities do put some either chemicals or salt on the ground to help melt the snow, to keep the roads clear, to keep the sidewalks clear. And these can be very, very irritating to your pet's pads. Say that 10 times faster, your pet's pads. So very important to either, every time you come back from a walk, wipe down your pet's pads, wipe down their feet and make sure you don't, there's no residue of that salt. Or think about two things. You can actually uh, accomplish two uh, difficulties. Number one is just the ice cold ground and the snow and the ice. And two is the irritation from that which is placed on the ground to melt that snow and ice. And that is get them booties. There are really cool booties out there, lightweight. Some of them have great little rubber bottoms for good traction. Most dogs will tolerate them very well. So what I'd recommend is getting some booties out there. And every time you take your pet for a walk or for a run during this time of year, throw some booties on. Protect their feet. It'll make them happy and comfortable. So our time is up here at Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We will see you in two weeks. That's the 26th, the day after Christmas. I expect phone calls to 877-385-8882. And have a wonderful week, a wonderful Christmas holiday. And we'll see you back here on the 26th. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.